0: Hi, I'm Patrick Kagan, your host for Sales Hindsights, a podversation that combines my 30 plus years of experience with the expertise of my guests, and trust me, all of them will amaze you. Now it's been said that hindsight is 2020 vision, so my guests and I are charged with answering one thing for you. Knowing what we know now, what best practices and takeaways have the last thirty years in sales, sales management, Executive leadership and entrepreneurship provided to us that you can take with you. So enjoy the listen as we podversate for your growth. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast, Sales Hindsights. Just by tuning in, two things have happened for you. The first is you've taken the best first step toward improving some situation or some outcome in your world that you're just not happy with. But the second thing is really important you've proven to yourself that listening to outside help could actually be beneficial to your personal and professional growth. Now, in the course of our conversation, you're going to discover that we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to make sales make sense. We're going to make management make sense. We're going to make leadership make sense. We're going to make entrepreneurship make sense. But in the course of our conversations, we're going to make life make sense for you, too. And we do it with a very practical and very easy-to-understand approach. We try to give you the little nuggets that you get to carry with you each day, and you pull them out of your pocket every time you need them, and they help you through your day, your week, your month, and your year. Now, be sure to download and follow our podcast, and you can do that by just going to our website, pksolutionsgroup.com. When you're there, I want you to make it a point to support the show so that we can continue bringing you great content, great guests, and things that help impact your business. You can do this one of three ways. Go to the button that says our podcast and you can get all the episodes there and you can download them. If you want more than that, you can set up monthly one-on-one time with me and my staff uh, and become a monthly member and do that through the support the podcast button. And there's three levels of membership you can get there. Or if you just want single edition content, go to the shop button and find the bonus content that means the most to you and go ahead and just get your single edition bonus deep dive content that helps you grow your business. Now today, we're going to talk about how you grow your business through others. And really, that's the role of management and leadership. So I'm going to tell you that what what this theme is really about is that you need to manage like your life depended on it, okay? So if you manage people and their mission is to grow sales, that means your mission is to manage those folks, and grow profits. So they manage the sales, you manage the profits. So my question to you is this, how confident are you that the people responsible for the top line, the sales, know how to help you grow and maintain the bottom line, which is your your role? How confident are you that they can do that? My second question is this, how confident are you in your own capability to teach these individuals, what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and how to be best in class. How confident are you that you can do that? Many of the folks listening to this right now have been put into the role of manager either because they've been in the company for a period of time or because they were really pretty good at growing the top line. They were good at being in sales. But being good in sales doesn't mean you're going to be good at managing others through the sales process. It's like looking at a professional athlete. Some folks that are good players are not good coaches. And on the other hand, some players that are mediocre at playing the game are phenomenal at coaching the game. So let's talk about how you get the most out of others to grow your top line and grow your bottom line. Because sometimes you can grow the top line the sales, and you shrink profits. And that's a horrible formula for anybody in business. You'll go out of business, okay? And it goes back to a lot of the conversation that we have nowadays about hiring versus staffing and that mentality of, are we hiring or are we not hiring? And are we staffing or recruiting? And what I would tell you is this, the best managers I know have always had the mindset that we are always staffing. We're always searching for the right staff. We don't wait for corporate. We don't wait for uh, better economic times. We don't wait for anybody to tell us, now we hire, now we pull back. Good people always pay for themselves. Good people more than pay for themselves. So a good manager should always be looking to expand their staff, be creative, find the ways, but be in the mindset of always staffing. And The folks that are today saying we can't staff, we have a hard time staffing. COVID 19 showed people they can work from home or they can switch jobs. That's that just sped things up. Okay, they weren't happy employees in the first place. Um, And so, you need to take a look at happiness factors in the workforce. When you put happiness factors, happiness criteria into a workplace, into how you recruit, into how you retain into how you incentivize, then happiness factors become what you proactively look for. And when you're proactively putting happiness in the workplace, it has nothing to do with compensation, it has everything to do with the individual, and that's how you begin to proactively staff. When you are proactive with staffing, then you find the right team, you build the right team, and nothing on earth will improve performance like that mindset. And, and we'll go through a little bit of how that works, okay? So when you when you are constantly in search of and have the mindset and let your your team see by your actions and your words that you're always looking for an improved staff, well, that's a really good kick in the pants for folks sitting around doing mediocre work. If they know that you're looking for good staff, they could be replaced they, that it helps eliminate some of the poor performers and the mediocre performers and encourages good performers that, you know what, this is a great place to work. My boss is always looking to make a better team around me. Who doesn't want to be in a world championship team? So the good high level performers are encouraged by that. And in a positive way, it weeds out folks that are, are anchors or negative performers. And When you're always interviewing, you're always looking for that next player, it keeps people sharp and it keeps them on their toes. Now, nothing else like this will improve employee satisfaction and retention because people feel satisfied when they work with other folks who are high-level performers. They start to refer their friends who are also high-level performers. And you need to maintain a standard. We don't just hire friends. We hire friends that can take us to that next level. So that's great that they're your friend, but they better be high-level performer. They better meet our standards. You create an environment that is satisfying for employees to work at. They work with champions. They work amongst champions. They are champions. People don't want to leave that. That has nothing to do with compensation, has nothing to do with bring your dog to work. It has to do with, I work at a place where others are champions. They make me better every day. I make more money. I work less hours. I mean, people go into sales. Why? So they can make a lot of money, so they can enjoy the freedoms of sales. They want to they work for a manager that understands all that and still has high expectations and still allows for me as the individual to reach those expectations and you as the manager to respect my expectations. I want to enjoy the freedoms. So if it's a nice, hot summer day and it's Thursday afternoon and I want to golf I'm going to find a way to golf and reach those expectations. Maybe I bring a customer golfing with me. But I make it work and I cling to that job. I fight for that job. I don't want to lose that job. And I bring others with that are like-minded. And I don't run into situations where I have a bunch of mediocre people leaving and not coming back. And I wonder how to how to hire more people like them so that my staffing numbers are correct. So have a high level of expectation. Always be looking for top-notch employees, and find a way to get them on your staff always. Now, the other part of this, when you're managing folks who are responsible for sales and their job is to look at the top line, after that, your job is to look at the profits. Don't mix the two in your conversations. Sales people who are on the front lines are charged with defending the front lines. The front lines are sales. Your job after the sale is to manage everything that makes a profit at the bottom. So when you... Say, our company no longer does things like onboarding. Our company no longer does things like sales training. Well, what I tell you is this. If you want to tell your employees you care and that you have a great place to work, then nothing says, I love you, like giving them your time. Your time meaning, let me train you on how to be on board here, be how to be reboarded here, so when you've been here, four five six years and I bring in new staff I'm not necessarily replacing you I'm finding a team that supports you and I reboard you I retrain you and I make everybody stronger and better nothing says I love you like that kind of time so you take onboarding onto your own shoulders and you take ongoing training so don't make sales training or marketing training or communication training a one-time event okay that's that's a meeting. Don't make it a meeting, make it a culture, make it something you do. And I'll give you an example of something I did on my own in the early days when I was a young manager and I ran a a, a district sales office in a remote area. And every Friday morning, starting at 630 in the morning, coffee and donuts or coffee and whatever we had for breakfast, that was on me. I brought that in. Nobody was required to, to be there. If they were over two years with the company, but anybody two years and under, they should be there because we were going to do a couple of things. Now, we made it fun because nobody likes to get to work early on a Friday and, and, you know, you're tired and you got to get going and and why not do that on a Monday instead of a Friday? Well, Fridays, I wanted to be a whole wrap up uh, for the whole week. But we would listen to motivational tapes or sales educational tapes and we would stop and we would discuss the topic and we would relate that to our business. And we began to translate what was generic sales training material that was available on back then cassette tapes. And we could pause and we could discuss and we could tie it into what we were doing. And then we could even create events following that, maybe a contest for that day, something fun, something for the next week, whatever it might be. But we took that upon ourselves and we called it our Friday morning meetings. That's all it was called. This spread like wildfire through the company. The company then sent in videographers and videotaped this and rolled this out to other offices to watch us do this. It made no sense to me. How would it have an impact on you um, You know, across the country watching a video of me with my salespeople having a Friday morning meeting? They, they tried to put lightning in a bottle, but they put lightning around a bottle. People watched it and they were like, eh, whatever. Or they tried to have their own meeting with the same topics I did. It didn't relate to them. Make it your own. Make it something that you can do with your people, and make expectations a part of that conversation. It's okay to talk about expectations with your sales folks. So make training your own. Make ec- expectations exactly what you talk about all the time. And when you t- talk about training, so it can be very topical: how to handle objections, how to how to get past uh, voicemail, how to how to um, sell benefits, whatever it might be, but talk, you know, be able to talk about not only the sales process and that would include obstacles. Not every company does things smooth. Companies are bumpy. So maybe it's a company that produces something and maybe their production group is hard to deal with, hard for internal customers, hard for external customers. Acknowledge that as the manager. Walk them through that and involve the, the production team, not just in complaints, but in uh, solutions. But go through here are my expectations, you know, regardless of how bumpy things are. I expect you to have fun here, but I expect you to grow sales. And I have to manage the profits. So I'm going to have to make tough decisions on things that you and I aren't always going to agree on. We're not obligated to see things eye to eye, but it's not personal. It's me doing my job watching. The, the profits you doing your job trying to bring in the sales. So I'm going to talk to you about my expectations. I'm going to talk to you about the process. But more important than talk, you have to model. You have to model as a manager both expectations and process. So if I expect you to be there at 7 in the morning, I had better be there at 7 in the morning or earlier. If I expect you to make 25 outbound sales calls a day on the telephone, I had better be doing something similar in my capacity. Now, if my capacity isn't to reach out to customers, there's other ways I can do that. And I'll, I'll explain that when I get to um, my fourth point. But you have to model, do what you expect and inspect what you expect on both um, your your expectations for performance and the processes. Either, either it's a sales process, the correct way to meet and greet a client, the correct way to handle an objection, the correct way to involve somebody else in a joint sales effort, Whatever it may be, but you have to be able to demonstrate to a salesperson what you want. Don't just tell them what you want. If you can't do it, don't ask for it. And then coach to that person's level. Some people are advanced. So you remember at my Friday morning meetings, if you were over two years, you're not required to be there. But if you are, great, then you better be able to contribute. But, but I'm going to coach you, a three or four or five-year veteran, different than I'm going to coach somebody who's been there one week. And the way I coach is modeling. Again, model what I expect you to do, I will do first. If you are at that one or two or three week or under one year level, then I'm going to coach at that level. So again, think of coaching like peewee sports versus you know pro athletics. Someone learning to just hold a baseball bat in their hands is different than somebody who's been playing baseball for 18 years and is in the minor leagues. You coach to the level that they're capable of. And then you catch them doing things approximately right, approximately right, and you praise them for that. And guess what happens? When you catch somebody doing something approximately right and you praise them, they do it over and over again, but they get better and better and better at it. So even though it's not your 100%, maybe it's your 3%, to them at that moment, that's their 100%. And you caught them doing it and you saw it, and you called it out in a praiseworthy way, publicly, Hope, hopefully, but even one-on-one, that's good. And they're going to do that over and over again. You'll never have to teach that method or that technique again. They'll always do it. And then you keep looking for those little pieces, and you piece it together. And over time, you've got somebody who, when they manage the top line, by accident, manage the bottom line for you as well. And that's, that's the secret to not only growing your sales and managing your profits, but reducing turnover, increasing retention, uh, attracting and retaining the highest levels of talent. People will want to work where you are. Then what you need to do as the manager is remove obstacles, or at least see your job as, how do I remove obstacles for my salespeople? Don't get in their way, get things out of their way. Free up their time. If the most important thing they do is meet with clients face-to-face, don't say to them, gosh, you made 10 face-to-face meeting meetings last week. I'd like you to double that next week. I'd like you to do five more. No, no. If they did 10 last week, see if they could do 11 this week. What obstacles can you remove to get one more in in place for them and sustain that? So, so your expectations don't have to jump miles, but each interaction can be worth a tremendous amount on the bottom line. And then going back to uh, when I talked about modeling and, and expectations as well as process, um, the last thing you need to do when you're trying to grow bottom line through top line efforts, so profits through sales efforts, and you're trying to at the same time maintain a high level of staff, attract new staff, grow new staff, you have to make your mission, besides removing obstacles, 80% of your time should be shoulder time. And what I mean by shoulder time is... Side by side, shoulder to shoulder, I'm going to go attack this, this obstacle, this customer, this prospect in, in your territory, in your assignment with you shoulder to shoulder. I'm not there to judge you. I'm there to help you grow. I'm there to be a shield when they throw things at you that, that might be defensive, that you might get defensive about, but I'm there shoulder to shoulder with you, and then when we're done, and get your salespeople in the habit of this. Have a curbside critique. Do it immediately following the call. And as a manager, close your mouth. Let the salesperson talk. When a manager speaks, even when a manager says, good job, the salesperson starts thinking, what did I do wrong? I must have done something wrong. It's proven. There's science behind this. When managers speak to salespeople following a sales call, they think they did something wrong. So you're better off shut your mouth, open both your ears, and listen, how do you think that went? Salespeople most of the time will say, I think it went okay. I could have done this. What do you think? And they'll put it right back to you. And your job is to, again, you're an obstacle at that point. Get the obstacle out of their way. Say, I thought it went great. I want to talk to you about this specific part of that sales meeting because I think you did this well. That's really, really important to do. But you need to make Um, as a matter of managing profits, people your priority. If you make people your priority, you're not going to have a problem ever uh, with with having enough staff. You're going to be finding new staff. You're going to be attracting new talent. Even when the company says we aren't hiring, you'll find ways that you will be hiring. You will be adding people that can add to the bottom line. You'll need to model your expectations and you need to model how you manage the process You need to clearly be someone who removes obstacles. Don't be a manager who creates obstacles. And if you haven't been trained yourself on how to train others, it's going to be very difficult. You need to get some help with that. And you need to not think that corporate is responsible for training or onboarding my people. Your people, those are the greatest asset you will ever have. It's your responsibility. So if you are not capable of that, you need to find the outside help that can do that for you. So I believe that if you manage like your life depended on it, guess what? You're going to have a long, happy, healthy life, and you're going to enjoy the people you do it with because they're more than employees. They will be satisfied employees. Until next time, my wish for you is that your life becomes all that you want it to.